Well, hello and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts in the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're speaking with Scott Haggerty, Code Enforcement Investigator for Post-Occupancy and Unlicensed Contracting Complaints with Land Development Services. He's here to let us know how to ensure a contractor is licensed, uh, what to expect from your contractor, how to obtain permits and inspections, and much more. Scott, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you've seen the good, bad, and the ugly throughout your career and here with Fairfax County, but unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, that's a topic for a different podcast. So let's just start off with, if you could, talk about land development services and how they actually help and work with the county's contractor population and then Fairfax County residents. Uh, yeah, the land development services, we're basically responsible to ensure that the community and the homes that are, are thus included in that community are, mm-hmm. are maintained and safe. Uh, when they build them, we come into new construction and look to ensure that, uh, say, the framing packages are done properly, that the attachments are done properly. Uh, we issue permits for a number of, of items that the state requires permits to be issued, uh, typically new homes and decks and, and things like that, or uh, electrical components of the house that are added. Plumbing changes that are that are in a house would okay. also uh, be looked at by mm-hmm. county staff. Uh, we ensure that everything is in compliance with the building code that is currently uh, currently adopted by the state. Oh, okay. So okay. We'll, uh, we'll enforce those codes. And right now it's the 2018 Virginia Residential Code. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of familiar with that because we've done a few podcasts with Land Development Services, and it's always interesting that, you know, you're following the 2018 rules yet it's 2022 but there's there's a reason for that because there you know a lot of year-long processes and things have to go through the reviews and that kind of thing so you guys are really busy because you're touching everything new construction uh, people remodeling and then getting ready to sell etc keep you busy yeah absolutely any particular area that you're most fond of or that you really enjoy doing well, I mean, I'm the post-occupancy inspector for Fairfax County, right. so what we have is if somebody were to have approved a permit uh, and then, say, a homeowner comes back and says, I think there's a problem, uh, and we discover a violation after the fact that it's already been approved, then I will bring the contractors back to come back and abate the violation that I find on site. Okay. Sometimes it could be one violation. Sometimes I've had, you know, 45 violations on a on a project. Wow. But those are uh, just kind of is what it is. Right. You sat when you get on the site. Right. Uh, also deal with the police, detectives, and construction fraud cases oh. uh, for typically unlicensed contractors. Uh, some of these people, door to door, predatory contractors, we call woodchucks, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll deal with the detectives on trying to deduce. Uh, a lot of them will charge hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and perform no work. Uh, so they can go after them with construction fraud right. or. Uh, the work that they did was not needed and it was fictitious or, or not necessary. and, and Maybe like caused more problems. Than, yeah, yeah. And, or just financial problems for the homeowners. We True. just had a uh, case that I dealt with in court, $900,000, uh, the victim. That's almost a million. Yeah, yeah it was horrible. <laughs> wow. So um, I guess, is it fair to say that you're a, a f- fan of 
well, the the homeowners are a fan of you, but maybe the contractors are not necessarily a fan. <laughs> uh, no, I try to have a good working relationship okay. with every contractor because our job mostly is educating. Hmm, uh, okay. We're going to try to make sure that we don't have repeat offenders if we can help it uh, by working through not only what the code says, but uh, also making sure that they are aware of uh, state regulations, like when we see a contract and if they're missing some of the required language that the Board of Contractors insists is in every contract, hmm. we'll bring it to their attention and try and help them uh, improve their ability to provide their service to the customer. How, how did you get into the um, this area? I mean, you must have a background or some experience. You just don't jump into, you know, <laughs> enforcing this type of thing. Yeah, in 1999, I came to the county as a building inspector, combination inspector. Okay. And uh, in 2004, they needed people to handle the complaints. So they took me and uh, uh, one of my uh, other inspector co-workers. And the two of us ended up starting the code enforcement investigation team. Wow. And uh, so we had worked uh, thousands of complaints wow. uh, through the through the process. And, uh, you know, we tried to gain compliance on every job, but that has been going on since 2004. Wow, okay. Been a long time. Yeah. You mentioned education earlier, that that's the goal of what you guys are trying to do is educate the contractors and then, you know, to some extent, I'm assuming residents as well. How how do you accomplish that? Uh, Going over the code, what the code actually says, what what they've done and how it is uh, in either uh, not meeting the, the standard not meeting the code. Uh, they may have questions about uh, language that's in the code because mm. code language is not like we're speaking back and <laughs> right, forth. It's right. kind of like, you know, go to the to the law uh, books and you start right. reading what lawyers speak and all of a sudden it's like you might as well just be speaking a foreign language. Exactly. So when you go in and you're talking to contractors, if they don't fully understand uh, some of the aspects about how something works, we can talk about how the you know, the load paths carry down to the foundation and how mm-hmm. they're responsible to make sure those paths are consistent and that all the headers and beams and everything are sized properly, joists are sized properly. Now, they typically will submit a plan to plan review to go over everything, but you're never going to catch everything in plan review. I mean, it's uh, you're limited on time to review. It's not like they're going to take years to go over one plan mm-hmm. to say we've mm-hmm. picked out every little thing. So there'll be stamps on there saying subject to field correction or, you know, something like that, an inspector goes out, it's a lot easier when you have eyes on the project right. to say, wait a right. minute, right. even though this was drawn this way, it was impossible for you to accomplish this, Right? because I could draw a board levitating in the air, but <laughs> right. to get it to actually occur, <laughs> right. you're getting a, that's a whole different animal, yeah. but, but we'll go through and, and try to, to educate these people as to what is the correct way that uh, typical engineering practices would have looked at something going together and then okay. helping them understand that. Okay. Is there a way to say there's, you know, five steps in the process or ten steps in the process when we're looking at, you know, getting a, a like a building permit, per se, and going through plan review, et cetera? Are there X number of steps or does it vary by case? And then, you know, once they're, you're at this step, then this happens. And then if they do something wrong, then you get involved, et cetera. I mean, is that oversimplification, if you will? Well, I mean, I think it would be based on more of how intense the project is. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're doing something very simple, uh, adding a uh, 
a knee wall in a in a kitchen that's not structural and doesn't contain any electric, but it's still adding a framing to your home. You're going right. to get a permit for that, but the sketch and detail for that is going to be much less right. uh, of a of a architectural uh, type plan mm-hmm. than if you're building a new home or doing an addition or, or an extensive remodel where you're taking right. out load bearing walls and mm-hmm. adding yeah, headers gotcha. and all those kind gotcha. of things. So the more intense the job is, the more you're going to find the process is going to take. Uh, a little bit more to complete because the plans are going to be so much more involved on a major project than they would be on something that's really very minor. All right. Well, maybe you can tell by the questions I'm asking that minor project that you just talked about is way over my head. So I'm going to have to call somebody to to do either one regardless. So you mentioned earlier, you know, I've heard the term woodchucks, you know, unlicensed contractors, et cetera. What advice would you have for residents, homeowners in Fairfax County about dealing with a contractor and how to ensure that they actually are licensed? Yeah, I uh, I suggest first that you use the DPOR, which is Department of Professional and Occupational Regulations. They have a website, and they're the, the license issuing agency through the state that is going to regulate uh, all the contractors in the state, they also have like 40 other categories, barbers and cosmetologists, tattoo artists, engineers, okay. architects. All right. these people have to have state uh, licensing. Uh, in the realm of contracting, you're going to have an A, B, or a C license. And those designations uh, are strictly for the amount of money you're allowed to make in a, in a year on a, on a project. Class C contractors are limited to $10,000 hmm. on any one address in a one-year period oh, uh, and no more than $150,000, I believe, in a year uh, as an overall total income uh, for your for your contracting company. Uh, Class B is up to $119,999, I believe. Right. Uh, and, and those, I think they can make up to $750,000 a year as a company. And then Class A is the unlimited. Oh, wow. uh, so if you have a large project that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you're going to be looking for a Class A licensed contractor. Uh, now, typically, uh, you want to check to make sure they're in good standing with the state. Uh, the state also keeps records of if there were a bunch of complaints filed against this individual contractor, they'll have records of that. Uh, we suggest everybody go do research, uh, you know, on the company you're hiring to ensure just because they have a website and just because they have a, an LLC license through the state corporation commission does not mean that they're going to have a contracting license to mm-hmm. actually do contracting work in the state of Virginia. Two, two separate things. There are two totally separate things. Right. So you want to check to make sure if they are an LLC that they're active with the state corporation commission and that they're you know registered with them. And then also that that company is also registered with DPOR as a contractor. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, there will be individual designations on their licenses uh, that will describe what they're allowed to do on your site. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, HIC, which is a home improvement contractor designation, would not allow you to do structural work mm-hmm. on a home other than building a deck oh, okay. on the back of a house or something. Uh, there's, they can't do roofing systems. Uh, not t- they can't add, do additions or new construction homes or any of that. All they can do is home improvement, and that's limited to like siding, kitchen cabinet replacements, things that you would do potentially inside a house without getting into the structural aspects. Mm. 
But then you're also going to have a residential building contractor, and those individuals are going to be allowed to do all types of construction, roofing, additions, new oh, home. Okay. But then again, it's also based on your A, B, or C category of Dollar license. Amount. All right. So you have to add those two together. But you're also mm-hmm. looking at if a company is going to be doing electrical work, they'll have the electrical designation on their license. If they're a plumbing outfit, they're going to have a plumbing designation. Some companies are full service all around, and you will find plumbing, building, mechanical, electrical, all on their license that they're able to do all trades. Uh, And that would be more of a full service, maybe a design build outfit or something like that where they handle all aspects. Right. Uh, not all come with that. So we do have a lot of unlicensed contracting cases coming to us via they had a building contractor's license, but then did the plumbing and electrical in-house. <laughs> okay. You know, so that becomes a problem. Okay. And that's more of an educational thing. You can't do this work without the electrical plumbing designation and trying to help them get out of trouble uh, that they potentially could be in from right. doing work right. outside the scope of their license. Right. Gotcha. Kind of a fascinating conversation here we're having with Scott Haggerty, Code Enforcement Investigator for Post-Occupancy and Unlicensed Contracting Complaints it's with uh, Land Development Services. And we were kind of gave a great overview and explanation of the, the licenses, the categories, the dollar amounts, and that kind of thing. Um, as a homeowner, if I'm looking to get a project done, and I, I realize this question may be, you know, depending on the scope of the project, et cetera. But if I have a um, something I want to do in my home, can I just go to a contractor and say, here's what I want to do. Can you take it from start to finish? Or do I have to get like permits and those kind of things? What's what's the burden or responsibility for the homeowner? Well, in the Uniform Statewide Building Code, Section 112.1 is going to include who the responsible party is uh, that has to obtain the permits. And the responsible party is the party that puts hammer to nail. So if I'm coming in to actually do the project, the homeowner, I've had a lot of contracts, oh, the homeowner's responsible to get the permit. It's like, well, did the homeowner do the work? (laughs) No, we did the work. Then you're responsible to get the permit. It doesn't. Uh, the person that's the contractor is the responsible party. They're supposed to know the business. Right. Now, whether or not you know, we've had some contractors that want to offer uh, the homeowner, I'll get your permits for $5,000 each, you know, oh, and it'll know. be 20000 obtain the permits. Or you can get the permits on your own. Here's my contractor information to use to get the permit. And then you go through the headache of going online and filling out all the paperwork and applying and getting them. And then the homeowner will get it at the cost of what the permit is, uh, typically $112.38 or something around there okay. uh, for a base permit. So we have contractors that don't want to sit there and have to go through the headache, but that is a individual contractor to contractor. Some contractors come in and say, no, the permit's just part of it. It's already in our bid. Hmm. And they take full responsibility to obtain everything and get it all going and in the right direction. And, uh, you know, but sometimes homeowners don't want to pay. You know, if there's an additional fee to obtain those permits, they right. want to save that money by doing the work themselves, the legwork and right. and all that. As long as it's a reasonable fee, it, you know, but 20000 I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've had, because those contractors did not want to go through the headache of getting it. Now, they would give their license information, so they're still on the contract and still on the permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything goes through, they're listed as the contractor, but they didn't have to sit there and go through the headache of gotcha. applying online, opening up all the accounts. 
uh, and start, you know, putting the plans, uploading them, and doing going through all that. Uh, where if the homeowner does all their their work like, for them, work, if you will. then it's going to keep the price down for the contractor. Right. Okay. We talked a, we talked a little bit about you know the air quote bad contractor and some of the things that um, have gone through, et cetera. And then before we started rolling, you were telling me a story about you know bad contractor recently and what was going on. How would you define an air quote bad contractor? Well, I mean, there are a lot of people that are door-to-door type solicitors. Uh, and at the county level, what we would ask you to do, if somebody shows up at your door, they should be fully licensed. They should have uh, their uh, solicitor's license hanging around their neck with their picture, company information, all that stuff. Uh, it's actually, you're not supposed to go around door-to-door soliciting things oh, okay. uh, as a contractor, a licensed entity in the county or business. Uh, or unlicensed. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You're not supposed to get door to door to door. There are solicitor's licenses that the county issues to okay. people that are going to be going door to door. Which is different than a contractor's which license. Which is totally different okay. than a contractor's okay. license. But we do have contractors that can get a solicitor's license if they want to go door to door to door to door and do it legally. Okay. Uh, because their information's there and available. Uh, we find a lot of problems with people just knock on the door and say, we saw uh, a hole in your roof or a uh, squirrel going in your attic, and then the uh, homeowners let them in. The guy goes into the attic. There's nothing wrong. There are right. no holes. But he no finds nothing. a bunch of things. But he comes down <laughs> with wet insulation. You know, they poured a bottle of water up in the attic and took that uh, wet insulation down and say, here's what the hole's causing and all the and it's all fictitious. Wow. So those are uh, the predatory woodchuck-type contractors are coming up with uh, – Items that are not realistic, that are not necessary, and then charging outrageous money to do it. Mm. And a lot of people fall for that uh, because they're doing it on the spot. It's one thing, you know, I would always suggest if you have somebody show up at the door, you can, it's it's okay for you to look at them to say, do I really need what they're saying or want to hire them? But you want to do some research, check with the DPOR website, see if this is a legitimate contractor. Uh, may want to get two or three other estimates in yeah. order to find out, am I going to be overcharged by this one gentleman? Right. And also, is anything, is it necessary? Because if you have a contractor come in and say, there's no hole in your roof and there's nothing wrong with your home. Right. That was much better than finding out after you've given a gentleman $50,000 of your hard-earned money that he took it and nothing that he did was needed. Yeah. That sad. can come back to be devastating. Sad story. Now, I know you work with Melissa Smarr, who we've had the pleasure of talking with on the uh, one of the podcasts uh, in the past couple of years. I can't remember exactly the date. But y'all are involved with trying to prevent scams with these type of things here in Fairfax County. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that prevention of scams. Yeah, we get uh, calls quite routinely. Uh, we'll get uh, from... Elderly folks in, in like a retirement community uh, or, uh, you know, potentially one of our rec centers that will have a, a group of elderly that will have a class that they do, uh, you know, once a week or whatever. And they'll ask us to come in uh, and speak uh, mm, to okay. those individuals about the scams that are prevalent in our area. So we'll give them the, the romance scam information on what to look for, what to be leery of. Uh, on the computer, you know, when you're solicited on a computer, you know, what to look for, 
Uh, you have all the different the, the police scams where the sheriff calls and says, "Hey, I got your kid in jail." <laughs> you know, right. asking the grandparent to send a thousand dollars so right. that they can bail the the child out, and yet the child's you know two doors down, right? Uh, you know, at their parents' house. And right. so we always would suggest, uh, even if you are think that something could potentially be real, that you verify before you just start going out. And nobody's ever going to ask you for. You know, to go to Walmart and get like money order gift or, or yeah, money, gift cards or, or any of that right. stuff. Yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're looking for if, if the IRS, uh, which is one of the scams out there, wants to talk to you, they're going to get a hold of you through right. mail. It'll be legal and and official paperwork and things like that. It's not, uh, you know, gonna gonna be some willy nilly hey, over the phone send me eight hundred dollars in gift cards. Right. That's right. a pretty much indicator it's it's a scam. Right. Telephone number and website or website and email. I've got a couple of things here. 703-222-0801. Telephone number. Uh, email address LDS Post Occupancy at FairfaxCounty.gov. That comes to you and your team. Uh, if anybody has any questions, now do they use that phone number or email for complaint related uh, type issues or What's what's the criteria for using that phone number and that email address? Yeah, they can report a complaint uh, through that number, and it'll get to our office. Okay. Uh, typically, once we have accepted a complaint or working a complaint, we'll give the individual that files the complaint our information, and then we'll also contact if there's contractors involved. We'll contact them and give them our personal information as far as uh, local county uh, email address for my boss or myself okay, uh, and our phone number so that they can contact us if they have questions or, or you know anything that they need throughout the process of us working with them. Uh, we're going to make sure everybody's aware of how to get a hold of us. Right. As we're wrapping up, in case contractors are listening to this, um, what would you tell contractors? Uh, you know, if, if they see Scott Haggard coming, not to panic. Okay. You know, we're here to try and help people. We, The last thing we want, we're not looking to prosecute and, and go after these individuals for, you know, minor violations of the building code or something along right. those lines. We want to allow them to come in, make the repairs, and, and and educate them as to what was wrong or what they missed and, and to get compliance. That's the end is compliance is, right. the, is the goal. Uh, if we gain compliance... Uh, and the homeowners are happy, the contractor's happy, Fervis County's happy. Everybody wins. Win, win, win. And uh, what you have where you, you have violations that are outstanding, that a contractor refuses to abate, homeowner ends up having to get legal uh, help, and you get those costs, and then hiring somebody else to come in to fix what didn't get done, and right. then all the stuff back and forth. A lot of that could be avoided by doing research and finding out, is this guy got 500 complaints against him at the state level already, and yet you hired him and gave him $100,000 right, up right. front. You know, the, doing the research on on the front end before you start writing checks mm -hmm. uh, is going to be very beneficial for any homeowner uh, who's planning on doing a project uh, and getting more than one estimate. Uh, you know, you, you can call one guy and he can come in and tell you that's 300000 If you're willing to pay that, that's great. Right. But if you had five other contractors who were willing to do it for 30000 and the same work, exactly identical, uh, it would have been nice to know that before you gave the check for <laughs> 300000 right. to the guy. Save yourself two seventy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I was going to ask you uh, what residents should do as, as a follow-up, but that was great. You, you answered that question. I'll repeat the phone number and email address again, Occupancy at fairfaxcounty.gov, telephone 703-222-0801. Scott, final 30 seconds or so, any, any final message, any final thought you want us to know? Now, just be careful. Keep, uh, keep uh, the research that you do. Do not limit yourself. Go through and check the state agencies. Make sure the people you're hiring are legal. Uh, when you get into unlicensed contracting, that's a class one misdemeanor, mm. uh, which is potentially could come with up to a year in jail and, and up to a $2,500 fine or both. Uh, you know, we don't like to see those types of cases in the county. Of course, it's, you're going to have those. It's, right. it's a large jurisdiction. But right. we try to, uh, you know, keep people from having to live uh, through that because not only is the contractor going to have a hard time dealing with those kind of charges coming a- against them, but it also is very difficult to get your house repaired. If the guy's unlicensed, he's not allowed to come back to do the work to make any repairs to work oh. he's messed up okay? because he's not licensed to do that. Right. So then you're hiring another contractor to come in. And a lot of those contractors are going to charge you double or triple what the job's really worth because now you're asking me to take responsibility <laughs> for an unlicensed contractor's work. Gotcha. Because that all still has to be under permit and it all still has to all meet code. Gotcha. And if you did half the job and you're not allowed to, and then you call me in and I come in and, well, i got to fix half the stuff he did and take responsibility for the project. Right. I'm going to charge you double, triple what it would have cost you originally if you just called a licensed entity. To begin with. Right. Do your research. Bottom line. Do your research. Cool. Scott, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. My pleasure. That's going to do it for this edition of the County Conversation. Thanks to uh, you for listening, obviously. Thanks to uh, Scott Haggerty for being here with us. If you want to get more Fairfax County news, we encourage you to go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash news, or you can just call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. That is weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government.